the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Drop me an email today, rob at robblack.com. Find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show, Facebook, Cron4, Rob Black, it's Carolyn, or Rob Black, or my fan page is I Hate Rob Black, which doesn't make a lot of sense. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. Mr. Burton, how are you? Great. Newfocusfinancial.com. How has retirement changed in the last 10 years? We've known each other for well over 10 years, and I can tell you the market's changed a lot, and the way I talk about it's changed a lot. We've been doing radio together for 15 years. That's right. 15 years. can't believe that. I feel so young. I look so young, too. You do look young, but answer the question, <laughs> how has retirement changed in the last 10-plus years? Well, I've talked about this on the 1 o'clock show quite a bit, is that when you do the calculations, you need about 20 to 25% more capital to retire Right now, as you were calculating, 20% more than when we were calculating numbers in 2007. If you really look at the math behind what bonds are paying, what CDs are paying, you need way more money because we're we're still sitting at a rate of about oh, about 40 to 60% of where interest rates were in 2006 before the big crash. Yep. And so we're, we're kind of at this inflection point now, and I think this is why the Fed is continuing to taper, where low rates are starting to hinder the economy as much as they are helping the economy. Now, why is that? Well, because you have, you have 10,000 baby boomers retiring okay. every day, right? So we have had this capital appreciation, but you have a lot of seniors in the world that have way less income to spend, and they've seen actually a decline in their lifestyle, a decline in their spending because their CDs aren't paying as much. So if you're really wealthy, that doesn't matter. I mean, if you retire and you're able to live off of 2 to 3% of your portfolio, you're wealthy. You have plenty of income. You can live off your dividends and interest if you buy dividend-to-cheaper stocks where the income continues to go up uh, on those stocks that continue to raise their incomes. You're fine, but most seniors have had – it's kind of like wage inflation. The middle class is about the same. So a high school person – a person that you know just has a high school diploma and gets a job – is making about the same as a high school diploma person in, what, 15, 20 years ago? There's been no wage inflation at that right. level. And there's been no increase in the in, in income for seniors. Okay. Banks also need to help start you know, leading the economic recovery. They're starting to lend money, but they really need that net interest margin, which means they take money in, they pay people... Three to five percent on a CD, and they loan money out at six or seven percent. You know, they have that net interest margin, and that's just not there. And we saw the banks fall as a result of that. So, is that the biggest change in the last ten years tied towards well, retirement? I mean, there's a couple of other ones. I mean, first of all, you have—I would say ten, twelve years ago—I was doing a lot of what's called pension maximization options, okay. where people would retire with a pension, and you have all these different options. Option one, let's say you get a, a large monthly pension, but if you died, your spouse gets nothing. Option two would be if a much lo- a lower payment, but if you died, your spouse gets everything. And so you say, well, what is the delta there, and is it better to take the higher payment and buy life insurance, or is it better just to take the, the payment where if you die, your spouse gets the same amount? I've done maybe two of those in the last five years because people have – there's just not pensions out there. How about annuities? Because with low, super low interest rates, that had to kill the annuity business, and yet it's still yeah. thriving. Yeah, I mean um, – you know, I mean, you met my grandfather 15 years ago, and that's what he did at banks as an investment counselor. We were talking about that term before, but uh, 
He sold annuities and mutual funds to the banks, and that's what financial products were back then, yeah. before fee-based planning really came about. Um, and there was times in, even as 1997, um, late, 2000, uh, late 1999, 2000, where you could lock in fixed annuities, yep. 6% for 5, 7, and 10 years. I mean, that's, those are pretty good rates in today's numbers, but it's all, in, it's all based on inflation, so it's all relative to inflation. Interest rates are always... You could lock in annuities for 5, 7, 10 years. Yeah, yeah. I thought annuities went until you died. Well, so there's so many different kinds of annuities. What you're talking about in terms of annuities that go to your die... And I do not like these things. Is where you take here's a hundred thousand dollars and you give it to an insurance company and they pay you six grand for the rest of your life as long as you live. If you live till 120, you win. If you die when you're 80, you've lost because you've lived less than your life expectancy. And I can't. I do not like those products at all, especially in low interest rate environments, because you're giving up access to your lump sum. And if you die early, but you, if, you you're, to, if you live to 120, win. right, right. But the thing is, is that there's other options now. So in the annuity market is another thing that's changed a lot where you've, you've really had to be a little bit more receptive, receptive in terms of where interest rates are and looking at bond alternatives. Because there's annuities out there now where you can get lifetime income, guaranteed lifetime income where it's as long as you live no matter what, but you don't lose access to your lump sum. And there's only about two or three that I've ever seen that I've liked out there. To talk about this and or more with CFP Chad Burton, you can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. He also does the show here on KDOW every Monday through Friday from 1 to 2, New Focus on Wealth. Anything that you want to tell me about that? Um, no, I mean, we, Is it a fun show? Yeah, if you're, if you're dealing with retirement issues, it's yeah. a really fun show. Really fun Death, show. taxes, all the certainties in life, you know? We just talked about living to 120. Is it really living after 75? Uh, it depends on how healthy you are. Uh, I mean... You know, here's the people that are miserable. The healthy 80-year-old person is few and far between. I don't know. I've uh, I've got one client, Beverly. She is 89 years old, ballroom dances five to seven days a week. Wow. She looks like she's 65. Okay. Healthy, loving life. Um, you know, does those dance cruises and stuff like that. She She's really enjoying retirement. So people that are healthy and they have hobbies... Those are the people that enjoy retirement, people that go from working 60 hours a week and no hobbies, and then they retire and have nothing to do, and their health declines. Those are the type of people that their retirement is a full-time job of scheduling their doctor's appointments. Interesting. So you have to, I mean, that is, yeah, that's it, it's terrible. You know, and I saw my grandparents do that when they were in their 80s and had to help drive my grandfather to dialysis, you know, three to five days a week, and it's, it's just not fun. Well, I could top that depressing story with my depressing story. What's your depressing story? So after my dad had a uh, heart attack, they found cancer, and after cancer, it came back. And then I got to take my dad to uh, radiation and chemo. Ugh. So taking your dad to chemo, where, I mean, it just beats you up, and where literally you become a bag of bones, so yeah. and you have to carry him around. And it's, it's one of those moments that I actually surprisingly, in hindsight, enjoyed, because it's a moment where your dad's passing, and it's like going to high school or getting married. It's a moment that's just, it's, it's going to define who you are, and I think I did a good job. Yeah. Um, it's, in high school, I, I felt awkward. In college, you know, my first day of college, I mean, I remember that. Like, like, I remember helping my dad with cancer the same way I remember the first day of college. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's odd because now with the, the way the kind of sandwich generation is, you've got baby boomers helping their parents with that, yet their college kids are coming back to live with them after, so that you've got... All these life events happening right when you're supposed to retire and have your maximum amount of savings, and it's just not happening. I want to buy a baby boomer broom, (laughs) i.e. hit baby boomers with it. Get out! Go! Move on! Retire! Anyhow, it's uh, me, Rob Black, sitting in with CFP Chad Burton. Uh, Have a question? Drop it to us via email, rob at robblack.com. and the success of New Focus Financial. Welcome in, Rob Black, in your money. Talking all things financial. Money investing and more. There's been a big change in investor sentiment this year, 2014. 
risk seems to be priced at a uh, premium now. Like people are respecting that and they're they're kind of fearing it. So the hyper growth stocks are the ones that seem to have the softest underbelly. Uh, the dividend stocks or the low valuation utility type companies seem to be doing the better of the job. How do we end up the year? Don't know. With that said, joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. Mr. Burton's with NewFocusFinancial.com. It's NewFocusFinancial.com. Big question. When you get to retirement, oftentimes I say you need 10 to 20 times your income before you retire. And that doesn't even mean anything because then you have to factor in spouses and cost of living and budgets and healthcare craziness. Like, I'm just, I'm doing ballpark. Right. Uh, what if you don't have 10 to 20 times your income? Uh, there's <laughs> plan B or possibly plan C. Plan B. Yeah, I mean, it's so, <laughs> yeah, plan B. <laughs> so, <laughs> to give you an example, um, and somebody plan, I, plan C is a gun, right? <laughs> that's back plan B. Bullets. <laughs> plan B. Plan B. So, it's somebody that wanted to retire, and I had to sit down with them and say, you just don't have enough. And they had been with, um, you know, well-known investment advisor group for for years, but it was a kind of a commission-based relationship. They even had them do an in-service rollover into loaded funds. Just a lot of garbage, and the per- they always talked in words that the person couldn't understand. They wouldn't know, can I retire or can I not? Don't blow smoke, just let me know. In this case, they couldn't, but I said, you really can't retire now. They said, well, I can't work this job anymore. I hate it. I hate the people. There's no interaction. I say two words all day long to the office people that I'm working with, and it just, you know, 25 years, it's done. It's over. They needed to move on. So we went from a scenario where I was showing this person that you're going to be out of money by the time you're 80 years old. Yep. Retiring at 65, you're going to be out of money by the time you're 80 because of inflation and health care costs that you weren't calculating in because of taxes. When you withdraw money from your 401K, you've got to pay taxes. All that stuff was not being figured in. So luckily, um, House they only owed about 70000 on it. So we did. I uh, had her talk to a reverse mortgage person, get that paid off. And then said, look, you're going to have to do a part-time job for five years. And um, at age 65, that must be a pretty humble conversation. But that was actually, in in her mind, it was actually okay. Okay. Because um, she had, we only needed to create, you know, like 12000 of income a year to be able to make it so that her funds would last. Okay. By paying off the mortgage with the reverse mortgage, a um, thousand bucks a month for five years, which is a you know, part-time, part-time job, right? Right. Um, it was able to make the money last. So we, we did that, and we put off Social Security till age 70. So those combination of things, a reverse mortgage, a part-time job for five years, um, and putting off Social Security till age 70, where it's a huge return on your money, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work now. I mean, it's not ideal in anybody's mind that you have to go back to work at age 65, but she's actually going to enjoy it because she's got a spot where she thinks she can go. Um, where she's she likes the people, there's that interaction. So it's kind of a phase into retirement. That's happening a lot because a lot of people can't afford to retire at 65. And so they're going to have to phase into retirement. Your whole concept of pick up a part-time job, it's just cash coming in, cash coming out. It yeah. also it also stops you from having cash going out. If you're working, you're, you know, you're not spending. Yeah, what you spend and your returns on your money in the first five to ten years of retirement is huge okay. because if you think about it, that's why sometimes when I show people if you work one or two years longer, yep. your money will last five to seven years longer in retirement because you have two more years that you're feeding a portfolio that's growing at compound numbers. Right. You're putting off Social Security that between the age of 66 and 70 is growing. Your benefit, if you put it off, is growing at about 8%. So there's all these combination of numbers. Instead of draining your portfolio a lot in the early years, you're feeding it in those last couple of years. So um, little subtle changes can make a huge difference, but you just have to be aware of them rather than retire and then go get a plan, and then somebody tells you you shouldn't have retired. That's painful. The thing also I like about your part-time idea or even volunteering is you're staying social. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you're, you're out there. You're not watching TV. I think I saw my mom lose a lot of her health when my father passed, and she was always a career wife. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't have friends. I mean, she had him to cook for. She had the kids to cook for. She had, like, her whole social network was her family. Mm-hmm. And then once that started falling apart, she went down because she turned to the TV. You know, p- people don't know how to enjoy themselves. On the other end of the spectrum, I've got uh, some clients that I'm meeting with later today. Yeah. They're, they could retire right now if they wanted to. 
at 57 years old. They've had a couple of different franchises, and they want to talk about buying four more stores Love it. where they're already – the wife's not having fun. She's working 40, 60 hours a week in these places. And there's really no end sight, and I'm just going to ask them why. Why do you want to do it? You have plenty of wealth. What do you want your life to be like? Because you could be worth a heck of a lot more, but what are you going to do with that wealth if you don't? Grandkids. You're not enjoying it. Yeah, I mean, is leaving a legacy more important than your retirement happiness? If so, then let's do that. If not, let's let's change what you're doing. That's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Now, quick question. Was that the nothing but cakes? No? Franchise? Possibly. Okay. I see... A lot of people who have franchises in the community on a regular basis working their hineys off on a Friday night. Um, it's interesting. I don't think I would go the way of a franchise. Um, it depends. I mean, the, the thing about franchises is that you, if you get too overweighted, and it's like any one stock, right? If you get too overweighted in any one franchise, and then that franchise fades out, I've, that's that's a big issue because you got a lot of build out for the initial stores. You know how there's that big, you know what's livable wage argument right now? I've got a friend who, for, for years, he worked for Kentucky Fried Chicken. Mm-hmm. For years. And then he said, I'm going to start my own franchise. He went to the East Coast, looked at what was coming up, and he picked up Five Guys. Uh, burgers, Five Guys? I love yeah. Five Guys. So he bought five of them. Uh-huh. His wife was a career Kentucky Fried Chicken worker, too. So she does the books. He does the management kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, he's not super wealthy. And he can't really? afford Yeah. Where's his stores? There. Um, really? Really? So he's he's good. He's well off. Yeah. But he's not at the point where, you know, I was like last year with Obamacare thing. I'm like, what do you even do? He's like, everyone's under 32 hours. Like mm-hmm. the margins are so tight that yeah. you get that 15% or that $15 an hour bump in like in Seattle for minimum wage. And you have to pay your franchise or right, as a franchisee. Um, so it's not that much. Like I, I was surprised. I wasn't surprised. I think the public would be surprised by how little money there is in, like, a subway. You're not going to be a millionaire owning a subway. Yeah. Well, I mean, and the thing is is that if you're going to do the franchise or any type of a business, you have to make sure that you could set up this business that it runs without you. So when you've created a really good business, it's because you've created something that can work whether you're there or not. That you've, That's why franchises work is because there's so many procedures in place. Um, and, you know, Papa Murphy's is a company that just went in public. Oh, did it? So, yeah, one of my neighbors is quality control for Pop of Murphy's. And so it's like he goes around and makes sure every store is running exactly how they're supposed to run. Pizza? Yeah. Okay. You ever done Pop of Murphy's? No. The Take and Bake? Yeah, I, I know about it. Mm-hmm. Is it – I didn't think it was that relevant that it would be publicly traded. Yeah, it's well, it's a smaller offering, that's for sure. Okay. Um, Domino's is publicly traded. Uh, Papa John's is publicly traded. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm naive. Pizza Hut is publicly traded through Yum Brands. Papa Murphy's, huh? Yeah, Papa Murphy's publicly traded now. You know, my hometown, we have, like, every restaurant that fails, a new pizza place comes in its place. Yeah. There must be something about pizza. It's kind of like in the Northwest, you have still that normal failure rate on restaurants. What is it? Something like 90% of restaurants fail in the first two years? And then 90% fail in the next, like, five. Right. And if you've opened a brew pub... In the Northwest, you have not failed. Essentially, almost every single one has been has been That's alive fair. and thriving in the Northwest. That so kind of bucks the trend for the restaurants. We've got a place here in uh, Santa Rosa uh, called Russian River. Mm-hmm. They come out with a beer called Pliny the Younger once a year or twice a year. Yeah. And there's a four-hour wait to get an eight-ounce cup. You're only allowed eight ounces, and there's what? there's a line for five, six, seven, eight blocks. Yeah. Wow. Um, it's insane. I did find a brewery that probably will fail just because of the name. Dirty Hands Brewing. I haven't tried their beer. I haven't ate their food yet. But I just, I'm kind of a hand freak, hand, hand cleaner. Sure, you know, sure. I got the antibacterial. I'm the guy on the airplane that's always using it. So Dirty Hands and restaurant food, it just it, mentally I can't go there. It's interesting. It, it, we're, it, we're talking brew talk here on Rob Black and Your Money. Uh, it's brew talk with Rob Black and Your Money. <laughs> We're drinking right now. Let's open a pint right now as we talk. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting. Um, I do a lot of driving, and I, I tend to find breweries that I could stop at for, for, for lunch. <laughs> Wait a minute. 
Oh, no, 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 no. I do no. a lot of driving, so I know my places that I can get beer along my route because I make multiple I weigh, stops. I weigh 200 plus. I know my, my tolerance. But, um, you know, when you have to stop for food, it's, it's kind of hit or miss when you're in the mountains. Like, brew pubs, like, it's always good. Yeah, always some sort of similar kind of quality, in my opinion. Anyway, uh, anything else you want to talk about here? Oh boy, where were we? Um, let's talk about there's. Let's talk about Social Security for a minute because um, Financial Advisor Magazine did a survey of about 1,800 investment advisors. Yep. And you know we're going to have to save Social Security in the next decade. Okay. Is that right? Yeah, and I, I think that if you're running your financial plan, if you're under 45, you assume it's not going to be there. If you're over that, assume it will be. But if you're ultra wealthy, it's probably going to go away for you in the form of taxes, surcharges, whatever. That's what most think that the penalty for having success is going to come in the form of Social Security taxes. I'm with you on that. That's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. the show. I haven't checked my email this hour, but if you want to drop me an email, it's rob at robblack.com. Joining me now, CFP, Chad Burton. Mr. Burton, long-term care insurance. Costs have increased. Is it still a good idea? Who is it a good idea for? What are we looking at? Oh, man, it's 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 gotten a lot more expensive. What is long-term care? Long-term care is... is if you become incapacitated where you need help with dressing, bathing, continence, um, transferring, you know, basically when you need help to do the basic activities of daily living when you're older, there's really not a lot of help from Medicare. Um, if you go into a skilled nursing facility within three days of a hospital stay, you might get, I think it's like 100 days worth of coverage. After that, you're on your own. And if you live till the age of 70, there's a 60% chance you're going to go into a nursing home facility. And it's not, there's a big difference between a nursing home, a skilled nursing facility, and assisted living. Okay. One has a nurse there, you know, 24 hours a day. And a lot of people don't end up in that situation. They end up in an assisted living situation, or they need home health care. And so there's really not much that, that you get out of your Medicare. A lot of people retire thinking that's going to be covered until they've, you know, seen their parents go through the process. And, well, the problem is, is that it's in terms of insurance, long-term care insurance, where if you do lose two out of those six activities of daily living, it'll pay for somebody to come to your house to take care of you or assisted living or adult daycare. All those different options are there, but it's relatively new insurance. I mean, life insurance, home insurance, that's been around for years and years, right? Long-term care insurance was really started around the 80s. So there's not a lot of claim experience. So what's happening is as baby boomers age, as Depression-era people are putting in claims on the policies they bought in the early 80s, they've really screwed up the pricing. And a lot of people are putting in claims, so rates have gone up drastically. Last summer, um, they, they got rid of all the spousal discounts. You can't buy a lifetime policy anymore. And costs increase drastically. So what it's done is it it's priced a lot of middle class and and just below middle class America out of being able to afford the policies. That's unfortunate. So that means that our systems on Medicare, Medicaid is really what kicks in and pays for it once you've spent down all your assets to poverty level. Medicare, Medicaid, it's called Medi-Cal in California. That's what pays for it. And that is what's really straining our budgets at the state level and the government level. And that's going to continue to be a major issue. So, you know, people need a plan B for their care. They need to realize that, you know, if you're going to start looking for long-term care insurance, do it early. And there's other policies. Now there's, like, life insurance policies people can buy where you can use the death benefit early to pay for that kind of stuff. And those policies are getting a little better. It's still, 
still tough for me to get behind him, though. Interesting. Now, with long-term care, I know there's a lot of variations of long-term care. You could buy, like, a three-year policy, three years of four, like, five Two, years. three, four, five, six. Lifetime. Yeah. Lifetime is gone. Okay. So what do you buy? Um, I, I tend to look at the... The, the average stay in a nursing home is yeah. about three years. Okay. So I've usually recommended three- to five-year plans, okay. unless both of your parents have Alzheimer's, and those are the people that go in for like 10 years, you know, and then they, then they pass away because they're, they're in there forever. And also there's some financial, legal financial engineering that you can do. Um, if you have a spouse that goes in, yep. there's ways to work with an estate planning attorney and shift assets to the well spouse so that you don't have one person you know, and Medicaid and the other person in poverty. Yeah. And so there's legal, there's spousal impoverishment laws that you can take advantage of. So, you know, re- usually a, th- a five-year plan is good because within that five-year period, if you know it's going to be an extended stay, you can do some estate planning to, to help have assets for the well spouse. As soon as people try to shelter assets for their heirs in a long-term care situation, that's morally wrong. I typically think that we approach insurance as a nation as let's wait till we have to mm-hmm. or right before we have to. So like in your 20s, it's like, eh, I don't need health care. Yeah. Or um, disability. Or disability. <laughs> and then you, you wait till you're 30 when odds are starting to creep up that maybe you do need health care for babies and other things. Mm-hmm. So how about long-term care? When's a good time to pick up long-term care? Well, get, get get educated and start looking at it at 55. But if you're way behind in retirement, I'd still rather you max out your 401k and your Roth yep. from 55 and 60. 60 to 65 is when you got to feel serious about looking at it. So here's my psychology on that. I'm going to work till I die. I don't need long-term care. Like, I just think I'm going to drop over dead. Yeah, and most, most disability, but let's say you're working until you're 75, most disability policies are done at age 65. Fair enough. With that said, that CFP, Chad Burton, you can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. So long-term care, it's not all that pretty, is it? No, it's not. It's a, it's a tough issue to deal with, too. And so those policies that I was talking about where uh, they've been around for a long time. Like, Lincoln had this money guard policy, and, and the the risk versus reward trade-off versus the return on your money was just too poor okay. for me to get. But they're, they're getting a little bit better. Here's the niche that they're right for. You get these retirees that are out there, and they got almost too much cash in the bank. They've got a lot of cash sitting on the sidelines. Um, so that they're, they're lucky in that regards. They, have, they already have too much money in stocks and bonds for their own comfort level. They're not willing to invest more money because of their risk tolerance. If you're looking for an alternative place for cash, those, those hybrid life insurance policies might make sense for you because you'll get a better return than a CD. There's a death benefit, and you can use the death benefit early if you need long-term care insurance. Okay. So if you're trying to compare it to a CD rate of return, it's actually better for you and your spouse. Um, but if you're really comparing it to the traditional way that I like to do it, which is keep your money invested, use some income to buy regular long-term care insurance, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't pay off. So I hear you. The fear for long-term care insurance, you pay for years and years, and then you just die, and nobody gets it. You know, Nobody gets anything from it. That's, a, that's just insurance for you. For more fun like this, listen to CFP Chad Burton's show, New Focus on Wealth, from 1 to 2, here on KDOW AM 1220. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. One of the things I'm dedicated to is getting you to retirement, and there's an obvious way of doing it. Probably the simplest way of doing it is saving 10, 15, 20% of your salary in a 401k, a 403b, a 457. Now, that's great. Uh, my brother did that in the 80s, and in the early 90s, there was a big correction. He cashed out of it and never got back into it. Let's talk about this concept. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, the 401k. Great savings vehicle for retirement, um, and yet somehow, like a home, it's a great savings vehicle for retirement. We both we tend to mess them up. Yeah, I mean, especially the the house thing. We keep trading up houses, trading up houses, trading up houses, and then as soon as you get the house that you just really can't afford, that's when the economy has its recession. Okay, and you lose your job, and then you lose your house, and then you lose all the equity that you built up over the last couple of three trade ups. I know a lot of people in the Bay Area who did that, yeah, and yeah. some of them went bankrupt. And it was like, you know, one house, woo, sweet. Second house, woo, sweet. Yep. And then that economy tanked on them in uh, a foreclosure on top of bankruptcy. Well, yeah, and I, I know somebody that had 
it was he he's a business owner, um, actually worth quite a bit, but all of the assets were in the re- business or the retirement, and that housing correction came right when a divorce came, so liquid assets just weren't there, and the the struggle to be able to get into that you know home purchase can even be there for even somebody that on paper is worth a lot of money. As a child, we all had a concept of a piggy bank where mom and dad would give you a little money for chores and you would save and you would save and you'd save. And then you get your golden goal of like $10. You'd go get a toy or something wonderful. Yep. 401k is a, it's a piggy bank for age 60 to 100. And yet more and more Americans are tapping it early to make ends meet. What are your thoughts? Well, it's, yeah, I mean, people were using their homes as a piggy bank in 2006 and seven. Really, pretty much, I guess, until what was it, 2002? Real estate boom happened right after the end of the yeah. tech correction, so home equity lines were given to anybody that could fog a mirror. And Marin was the BMW capital of the world. Yeah. And it's not because they had the income for the BMWs. It's because they had the home equity line of credit for the BMWs. By the way, if you're listening to the show and your car payment is bigger than your 401k contribution on a monthly basis, you know, take a sharp ride into the medium and wreck that car and get something cheaper so you can max out your 401k. Is that advice? No, that's not advice. Okay. That's exactly. a joke. Do not do that. Sharp Brooke right advisor. <laughs> taking any action. But that's about as dumb as you're being right now. If your car payment is higher than what you're putting in your 401k, you know what? Pay the dues. Drive a beater for a while so that you can afford to retire someday. Because that car that you bought, it's brand new. It smells great. Pretty soon your kids are going to be eating in the back while you're in, in a hurry to get to a soccer game. Yep. There's going to be a stain on the seat. It's going to smell like a peanut buttered sandwich that's sat in the sun for too long. It's not worth your retirement. That's like my last isopod that I dated. It smelled like a peanut butter sandwich. You dated an isopod? Yeah, it lives, the creature lives deep in the ocean. It's kind of <laughs> a combination between a shrimp and a crab. Um, anyway, they're very attractive. They're very attractive. And it's a status symbol. So what, Wait, when you're dating, you're supposed to stay away from the crabs. <laughs> Sorry. So the 401k. You set it up, Rob. Not me. Tapping the 401k. Um, you get a 10% penalty if you do it early. And yeah. And you also pay for taxable income. So taking $10 is like really taking like $15. Right. And people are taking loans left and right, too, in the 401ks. And if you... You know, if you're buying your first home, you can take a loan against your 401k up to half of the amount or 50000 to buy your first home and pay it off over 15 years. Very few people stay at the same job for 15 years. So as soon as you leave the job, the loan is due in full. And if you don't pay it back, there's taxes plus a 10% penalty on the amount that you didn't pay back. So it really traps people into a large tax bill. And also, over those 10, 15 years, the market goes up. Yeah. And you're, you're, you're paying yourself interest back on your money, but you could be losing a lot of opportunity costs in terms of having that money out of the market, especially the last five years. You would have lost, I mean, that would have cost you basically 100% in interest on your money that it would have not been in the market. With that said, anything else that you want to add about tapping into your 401k as a piggy bank? Well, no, it's just, it, it's, it's, it usually ends up being a mistake for most people. So Keep your retirement in your retirement. The average balance for a 55-year-old is something like $65,000 right now, and then those people are still, like 20% of those people are borrowing or withdrawing early from their 401k. We have an epidemic of people that will be working until the day they die. I'm pretty sure it's a stemic epidemic. Stemic epidemic? With that said, that's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. It's a stemic epidemic. It's a widespread problem. I don't know. What you got for me? Um, you know, we were talking about long-term care last segment a bit. Yep. And interesting article that I was reading in Forbes by a guy that was saying one of the ways to boost your own retirement is to care for your own parents. Now, you know, there's certain cultures that do that anyways, but you're seeing this big trend in uh, new homes that are being built for dual families or caring for the elderly parents. And if you think about it, I mean – Average nursing home costs about seventy to ninety thousand dollars in the Bay Area. So, if your parents go in, that's that amount of money less that you're going to inherit. Right? So, a lot of people they're they're planning now to say, okay, I'm going to care for my own parents to save some money because that the only way I'm ever going to retire is based on the inheritance. If you're going to take that approach, you really have to have careful family planning. So if you're going to be the kid that's caring for the parents, maybe it's 
you know, the house that you're going to inherit. Either way, it has to be very well communicated with all your other siblings and your parents. Okay. Because what you could be facing is years of care where you do a lot of the hard work and then no thank you from your other siblings. And they come in and they still want a third if there's three of them, even though you did all the care. So that's so common. It's ridiculous. I've, got a, I've got a good friend whose uh, father passed away. And right before he passed away, he bought a lot of annuities and got sold, got kind of jerked. Um, but his brother has made a great relationship with his mother just after dad died. Mm-hmm. And just as she's entering her final final years. And, yeah. uh, he was like a jerk of a kid for that. Right? Now, eh, maybe it's a good thing. I, I don't know. I mean, there's there's certain tax breaks you can get on homes and, and property taxes and other things if you're caring for the parent in that home, too. So it's it's something to think about in terms of different ways to boost your retirement. We're talking about options where people, they don't want to work in the job that they have after 65, but they don't have enough money to retire. Maybe that second piece is caring for mom or dad. And I know that that seems awful and, and time-consuming and, you know, changing your, your own parents that changed you when you were younger. But it's something that you need to think about if you haven't saved enough for retirement. With that said, that CFP, Chad Burton, you can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. You can listen to a show heard, heard here daily from 1 to 2, New Focus on Wealth. It's New Focus on Wealth from 1 to 2 p.m. Um, Mr. Burton, financial planning, any last thoughts as we scoot to break in a couple of seconds? Last thoughts? Um, start early. Well, yeah, start early. Do it if you don't even have enough money. Buy the stuff that's on sale. I mean, just look at the stuff that uh, did well in Q1 of 2014 was the stuff that everybody hated the previous year. Interesting. So always buy things that are on sale and they don't look good right now. There's a theory there. Um, Horses don't run forever. They need to pause to refresh. Buy the horse that's pausing and refreshing. We'll take a break here. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Welcome back in, Rob Black and your money. You can find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. Chad Burton, talking all things financial with me. Chad, caring, uh, taking care of your elderly parents, it's a financial burden. It's kind of socially a burden. Like, if we weren't on radio right now and we were having a conversation, I'd be like, the last thing in the world I want to do is really take care of my mom. Yep. Like, it's it's an... And I... I don't want to see her like that. Like mentally, it, it, it messes me up. Time-wise, it messes me up. Coastally, it messes me up. What do we need to know about financially taking care of, as well as physically taking care of our elderly parents? Well, and I, even my own mom, I saw her take care of. You know, my grandparents really one after another had major health issues, and it was kind of a full-time second job for her for five to six years, really, between. Grand, grandfather's dialysis and then grandma eventually going into memory care. Um, even though she was in an assisted living facility, there's still a lot of stuff in terms of coordinating doctor's appointments, getting the ancillary health products that the nursing home doesn't get. Um, and her health, her own health deteriorated. She wasn't going to the gym, you know, three to five days a week like she was before. Right. And so you pay for it emotionally and physically a lot of times. Uh, but at the same time, you know, if you're the person that didn't save early enough and you're way behind on retirement, like we said before, I mean, maybe caring for your parents and being compensated for that and communicating with your other, other siblings what you're doing and why you're being compensated for that is, is your second job in retirement. It may, it may be your only choice. Is there any way to be financially compensated? Are there tax breaks, anything available for people to take care of parents? There's some tax issues that you might want to be aware of if you're caring for your parents in their home um, to keep the property tax base and other items like that. But you still need to be very clear and have the estate planning done beforehand. If you think that you're going to be inheriting the house because you're caring for mom and dad there, 
um, or you should be compensated in other ways, you better make sure that that planning is done while mom and dad are of right mind. Because as soon as you try to get you know, the estate plan done and changed after mom or dad is already in a memory care yeah. and then the other siblings, people change. When, when mom and dad die, when, when the wealthy uncle, wealthy aunt dies, people change, and it's usually not for the best. I agree with that. And they're going to go after you. And the change is, is very, very slow when the people are relatively healthy or can take care of themselves, but the change becomes progressively faster if they're bedridden or in a hospital or, you know, forced to stay somewhere where they want to leave. Yeah. Um, you know, a friend of my family's, uh, you know, her elderly father's got cancer and, you know, they have to, you know, restrain him, physically restrain a man who's probably the gentlest yeah. man on the earth. Yeah. Well, I've seen that a lot, too, in my career in 20-plus years and dealing with older clients when I started in the business where um, there was a lot of physical violence with Alzheimer's patients, especially males, okay. because you, you don't know what's going on, yet you know something's going on. Okay. And so they get really frustrated. So there's I've seen uh, cases of Alzheimer's where it progressed really quickly. Usually it's over a long period of time. You start noticing, you know, grandpa isn't, you know, remembering stuff like he used to, and it takes years and years to... I've seen a couple of cases where within six months people were out of their mind. Really? Yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen anyone switch 180 their their plans financially speaking? Like at 70 they were you know going to give everything to the kids, and at 71 you know it was all going to the church. Um, I've I've <laughs> I've seen it just with second spouses, where okay. where some drastic changes were being made based on a second marriage, and you just could tell people were being led down the wrong path. Who's getting hosed there? Is it the children of the first marriage? Kids. Okay. Yeah, it's usually kids. So the second spouse basically gets into the, the head and wins the financial battles. Yep. Good stuff. Love can blind you. I mean, you see it all the time. You see it in the news all the time where the 90-year-old is you know, getting married to the 40-year-old. That's, that's not love. <laughs> that's companionship at best. That's right. All of a sudden, you're losing your basketball team. Anything else we need to know about taking care of our parent, elderly parents? Um, should a financial deal be made amongst brothers and sisters? Like, hey, if I'm going to take care of mom, let's put in writing that I'm going to get a little bit more of the will, the inheritance. Um, uh, yeah, family meetings. The problem is, is that a lot of the people that are needing care now are Depression-era people, and they are so private about their money, they do not like to talk about it with their kids. It's uh, done. Yeah. Okay. I'm done. CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. You watched the draft recently? I was watching. It was on the TV when I was watching the Blazer game. So do you, like, ever have fantasies like you wish your kids got really good at sports, like, so they could be that guy on the stage? Like, yeah. I, uh, Kevin Durant just won the MVP, and he just had this just emotional, just cr- cry your eyes out. Yeah, I, I actually posted that on the New Focus Facebook page. It was so good. Okay. I, I, put, I posted a sports thing on the, the, the business page. I love that speech. You have a little bit too much time on your hands. <laughs> so, is there a financial angle there? Get your kid good at basketball, sit him outside, run up the hill? <laughs> sit him outside and run up the hill. <laughs> that's, what said, that's one of the things he said in his speech. Yep, get out of the car and go up the hill. I've actually done that to my son. Have you? Yeah. We live on a steep hill, and and uh, I'm all about a well-rounded life. I mean, you, you can, you've got to be good at a lot of different things. In fact, be very good at school and working very hard but also taking care of yourself physically and then also socially. And a lot of things that kids do these days is everything socially is even online, so they're spending all this time in front of computers and everything else. And if you're not going to be active in an athletic sport, you're going to be active somewhere else. One thing that I do that's kind of – it's very Rob Black and everyone hates it. I always take a parking space that's really super far away Mm -hmm. because it may be the only time I walk sometimes in some days. Especially if I go to a gym, I, I take the last parking space because, like, why not? You're here to work out. Why wait for a closer space? Why stalk someone in the park? Is that your warm-up? You should lunge all the way from your car to the front door of the gym with your hands on your hips and just or the record. perfect lunges all the way in the door. I'm one of the worst dancers you'll ever see in your life. I can believe that. Okay. <laughs> lunging. I don't look good at lunging. Can you lunge? I can lunge, but I look really socially awkward doing it. There's something at the gym that's you get on like a ladder. It's um, Jacob's ladder. Is, it, is that what it's called? It's you put your feet in a little thing, your hands, and you yeah. kind of like you, you're not really moving, but you're moving your arms and legs. Mm-hmm. And you're simulating climbing. I try doing that because one of my tricks at the gym is I'll do cardio and then I'll look at the best looking person in the gym, see what they're doing. I'll do that. 
<laughs> like if that person's got a really good high knee or that person's got really good arms, like I'll copy them. So trying to do Jacob's ladder, I suppose. I am never going to be on like a treadmill in front of you at the gym. Why? Because you're going to be looking at my high knee. <laughs> the whole time. It's just going to creep me out. That would creep me out. <laughs> Especially when I'm on my phone taking some pictures. <laughs> um, but I can't do Jacob's ladder. Like I, I got on it and I... Did I, you I, fall off? And I moved, but I, was, I felt like clunky, like, uh, 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 like you were it, making those sounds too. Probably was. I don't know. I got no rhythm. That's for yeah. darn sure. Anyway, you can find Chad at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. O.W. Back in. Rob Black and your money. It took me many, many years to come up with the phrase, you work from age 20 to 60, you live off what you have as a nest egg from age 60 to 100. Give or take in there. But that's basically the concept. So it's pretty easy to see what your lifetime earnings are going to be. If you're making $100,000 a year, times it by 40, $4 million lifetime earnings. So factor that in for inflation, and you're not going to have... $4 million in retirement because you also had costs in retirement. Um, and you also had costs while you were working. So you got to make the pennies work. I know it's not fun. I know it's not sexy, but you got to make the pennies work. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. Mr. Burton, dividend-paying stocks have kind of been a, a rage. It's kind of been kind of a golden era, dividend-paying stocks. What's that all about? Well, I mean, there's so many different kinds of dividend-paying stocks. I like the dividend achievers, which have a dividend, but have a historical you know, increase to those dividends, uh, usually 10% on average per year. That's not every year, but on average, if you do the average rate of dividend increases, it's, it's 10%. So the, the, the problem that I see is that we have gone from more of the go-go growth companies to a value push, at least over the last quarter or so. Sure. Um, and it's going into some of the places that I think are a bit overvalued anyways. I mean, if you look at the the P.E. ratios on consumer stable stocks, for example, right now, it's kind of at the higher average. If you look at the 10-year average of P.E. ratios in that sector, it's at the higher end. And people kind of do this uh, you know, short-term defensive stance on their portfolio instead of really digging in and looking at the companies or the sectors. And so you know, there's a difference between a high-dividend yielding stock and a good stock that happens to pay an increasing dividend. Okay. So the dividend achievers... The aristocrat is another term for it, dividend aristocrat. So there's a lot of good funds out there that really for retirement should be about a 20% core piece of an overall portfolio is dividend achiever stocks. Not high dividend stocks, but dividend achievers. Dividend achievers, to me, means that they've been paying their dividends on a regular basis. They haven't cut their dividend. They've increased their dividend in a good economy and a bad economy through World War One, through World War Two, through Nagasaki, through Hamas, like through any sort of event the market could throw at it. Right. It's done its job. 2009, company increased the dividend. There you After go. recession. Because it's got good free cash flow despite what the share price is doing. There you go. So how do we find a good list of dividend achievers? Do we get a – was it Zach's where you could do screens? Um, you know, our screens are done on a Bloomberg terminal now, so <laughs> that's not the – that's a that's a $1,000 a month expense that most, expense, that most investors don't want. But, um, you know, the Merchants Dividend Achievers book that you've talked about for many years. Which I think people can get on eBay. Last year's. Amazon's, yeah. Last quarter's. You don't have to get the freshest one. It's M-E-R-G-E-A-N-T-S. And now it's kind of, you know, the, the idea that was bought by NASDAQ was so NASDAQ. Is it? NASDAQ has an index, the Dividend Achievers Index. Would that be a wise purchase for a long-term patient investor? You can't purchase just that index. There's mutual funds that follow that. Okay. And, um, yeah, I mean, consult a broker advisor before taking any action, but I like that type of a play. You got uh, Vanguard, which is one ETF that I own, VIG, that follows that kind of um, dividend achiever in a basket of stocks. That it's not a high yield. I mean, people have to realize that investing in high yielding stocks 
if interest rates start to go up, they can get hammered, especially if their PE ratios just aren't there, because they could be paying everything out. Uh, people have piled into master limited partnerships lately. Okay. Higher PE ratios. I like the the sector just because of the oil and gas play, but people have piled into those areas because of the dividend. Not because of the good company and what they're doing, but just because of the dividend. So as soon as rates go up, those same people panic and sell. I know this isn't exactly a true statement, but to me, any dividend over 6% starts getting crazy, like it, like an earthquake. Like there's a difference between a 6 and a 7, mm-hmm. a big difference between a 7 and an 8, a crazy difference between an 8 and a 9. I don't want 9% interest. I don't want 9% dividend yield. So I, I have no interest in them. But if we did just did a search on emails from listeners that we've had on like Anale and and some of those other high flyers that we warn people about, and they argue with us four or five different emails down the road, you know, and then and then we never hear from them again, right, once they do see that big correction. I do wonder what happens to people that we never hear from again. Do they still listen? There was one guy, um, he had a 666 in his email, mm-hmm. who used to email me just the nastiest, meanest emails, like, Aha, sucker! Mark Dow's going to 2000. See you later. It's like and, uh, email, so I don't even know what his voice sounded like. But I, I probably have 70 of those saved, and I, I have a folder in my Outlook called Crazies. Um, and on occasion, I send a reply back to them when they're way, way, way wrong. And because they get nasty, and they get mean, and they, they get things, they take things very, very personal. Yeah. Well, when they've made a decision on something, yeah, they, they you want to be right. That's just human nature. So they're not willing to hear the other side of the argument often. I've got a folder in my inbox called people that are afraid of Rob Black. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to hear about that. And, you know, I just had, I had an email just last week that I was going over on the 1 o'clock show. I, a guy wrote in. He's like, you seem more open to a difference of opinion than Mr. Black. <laughs> so I'm emailing you. It's because of uh, private reeks. Private reeks, right? And this is where people buy these bonds on steroids, and yeah. it's 10 bucks a I, share. I know, I know who the guy is. Yeah, and, and I, I disagreed with him by email, and then I explained it on air, and, you know, he respected the opinion. But you, he doesn't want to – you don't want to believe the other side of what you did because you did it for a reason. And even though that reason's wrong and it could have cost you money, because it didn't negatively – there's no loss of money, you just didn't gain anywhere near as much as normally traded liquid REITs. You're way behind. Yep. Like 50 to 100% behind. I love that that coward goes to you after t- exchanging with me. And he's I, gave him, like, he's I gave, gave him all the proof that you gave him. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't good enough for him, so he goes to you because he wants to hear what he wants to hear. Right. He wants to be right. And he didn't find it. I think he, I think he got it. I mean, no. He, he went to good cop, bad cop, yeah. or bad cop, good cop, and it's still it's the same opinion. The funny right? thing is I'm not a bad cop. I love people more than you do. I do. I'm you do? Lover. I'm a lover. I'm an, also a dancer. At CFP Chad Burton, you can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. So how many other emails do you have in that folder? Of, okay, I, don't, I don't have too many. I get a lot of emails that people are afraid to call now. Call me or call yeah. you? Yeah, it's, I don't get it. So it's, it's just a radio show. And, you know, there was this guy who emailed me recently, and he's looking for a real estate attorney, and he's got a property in Alaska he's trying to sell. Mm-hmm. So he's got a property management person who is willing to give him $1,000 a month for two years and then get financing in two years. And he's trying to get a contract set up around that. I'm like, no. Like, if you really want a California real estate attorney, it's going to cost you $450 an hour. Yeah. Um, for a property in Alaska, it's probably a hunting shack, is my guess. And he wants to do this, like, tricky financing. What? No. So he, I, I said, like, just sell the house as is. Just you know, do it or don't. Don't get all fancy where you pay me thousand dollars a month for two years, then you get the financing later. Because typically that person is going to get some sort of ownership on it. He's going to squat on the property, and then you're going to have to get rid of them, and it's mm. going to be impossible. And then, oh, by the way, my brother died, and I can't get the financing. Right. Sorry, this didn't work out. And yeah, you, you, financial engineering when wrote, it comes to real estate. He wrote back. He's like, Yeah, I kind of had a feeling you were going to hit me on that one. <laughs> I'm like, I love you, dude. I'm trying to save you a headache. Yeah. I'm not yeah. trying to get up every morning super early to do the show to, to harm people. But I like it when you're mean to listeners because it's entertainment. It's infotainment. I did my hate show a couple Fridays ago. Uh-huh. People love that show. Now I start saying things like I hate Sarah Jessica Parker because she got women to buy $400 shows. <laughs> yeah, she has a horsey face, face, but the whole Manola Blahniks thing where our society would be better if we were less of consumers. You know, that's the crazy thing about me. I think in the last five to ten years, I've become a lot less of a consumer. 
Yeah. I, you know, I think that's, that trend is there, too, and maybe maybe that's the one good thing about hipsters. <laughs> but when I remember moving from, when I moved from a basically a country town where a kindergarten through eighth grade, 75 kids, to Portland, Oregon at a larger school, you know, I, I used to dress out of the JCPenney's catalog <laughs> so when I went to school. Um, back when I was, you know, junior high and high school, people were really into fashion, like yeah. what jeans are you wearing and all this. And my kids just don't really deal with that. You know, we shop at Target, shop at Walmart to get a shirt. Who cares? I don't think kids care about that as much these days. What's interesting is there's a trend in shopping now. It's not back to school. It's the month after school starts, and there's not a catchy phrase for it yet. But kids don't want to buy the wrong stuff. So they see what everyone else is wearing, so they have they get the right backpack. They get the right jeans. They get, like, they're smarter about it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not predicting fashion. They're following fashion. Um, and I think that's kind of an interesting angle because, you know, as financial people, we live or die by, by trend. And I would never invest in teen fashion, ever. Really? It's just, you, they, it ebbs and flows. It's just, you know, one or two really, really good years, and then they could just flop if they get it wrong. Yeah, do you remember the name Delia's? No. Super hot fashion for, like, two years. What, Z Cavaricis? Remember those back in the... Hot Topic. <laughs> hot Topic still. They were this around. Yeah. But uh, Delia's made a fortune on the film uh, Clueless. Okay. Um, Alicia Silverstone or Silverstein, Silverstone, something, yeah. something like that. Yeah. So she wore some of the clothes and uh, the, their dresses. They had two sizes of dresses, zero and one. Like that's awesome. Yeah, back to school shopping too is, is such a teachable moment for kids. Really? If you actually give them the cash, you know, in their hand and say you have this amount of money that you can spend and and have them do the transactions. They can actually it's 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 a one tangible time where you can give them cash and make them you know do the exchange, see how far it goes okay. and understand what it costs you to be a parent you're a good dad. It's, it's a it's a good teachable moment he's a good dad listen to good dad show today <laughs> from one to two on new focus financial it's uh like that Saturday night live skit on the radio yeah that's that's a that's a nice uh yeah that's real nice nice sweater it's a good dad show. Anyway, it's Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. Three big questions. Market cycle, tax bills, and fixed costs. Oh, that was that uh, article in Wall Street Journal on the three big retirement questions that you should be able to answer. I love the journal, by the way. So do I. Uh, let's see. Journal, Kiplinger's, Forbes. Barons. Barron's is good for that kind of – it's a little bit too much for a lot of the average, you know, people that aren't in our business. I like Business Insider. Mm-hmm. I think they do a nice job of trying to be non-biased. But in, in terms of a personal finance magazine, yeah. Kiplinger's yeah. or Jers, however you say it. I'm not even sure. Doesn't been reading matter. it for years. doesn't matter. Kiplinger's. Yeah, those people can figure it out. Yeah. Um, but that, there was that article in the Wall Street Journal regarding those, those three questions, and <laughs> I have the ten – Points the ten pillars for retirement income planning. That's what you can download the the sheet on our website newfocusfinancial.com. But you know what they talked about is is one of the number one things you need to know. And what where are you at in the market cycle? That was their number one point. Which you never truly know where you're at in the market cycle. You have to prepare five to ten years in advance and always assume that you're going to retire in a bad market cycle. You have to make that assumption. That's why you need three years worth of your portfolio draws in safe money that we've gone over time and time again so that you can make it through any market cycle. So if you're retiring in a bad market cycle, you're living off your cash and your dividends. If you're still in a good market cycle, every quarter you peel off some of the growth to replace the cash that you've spent. Um, You know, number two, they have your taxes, which I agree with. That's that's, uh, knowing your tax situation is number three on, on our list. Okay. 
And then let's see what, what is was your the tax thing? Uh, fixed costs. Fixed costs, yeah. So well, the tax situation is very different between how much do you have in four hundred one k's versus individual stocks and mutual funds where you're going to pay capital gains. You may have a very low cost basis. Maybe you have founder shares. Maybe you have ESPP shares from Apple that you bought years and years ago. And if you sell them, you might be hit not just with the fifteen percent federal capital gains rate, but maybe it's twenty three point eight, depending on your tax bracket. That actually three point eight percent sucks. It, it does. It hits you, doesn't it? It does. And what it's what it really hit people in twenty thirteen is they didn't realize it was going to hit them until they filed their taxes in April of twenty fourteen. Yeah. And it you know it's something that they didn't without especially if you have a, a married couple, and together you know apart they don't make it so their their companies weren't withholding that extra tax but. But together they did, so they, they all of a sudden 3.8% on their total income. Ouch. You know, I have a big gain in Apple. Yeah. And when it was 15% tax, you're like, hey, I don't mind sharing a big gain at 15% with the federal government. But when it jumped to 20 and then 23.8, yeah. that 3.8% to pay for Obamacare uh, or help fund Obamacare, it's offensive. Well, your not, big gain, let's say it's a million dollars. Now you're losing $238,000 of your gain. Literally, but if it's a million dollars, let's say your, your total income tax taxable income in California is over a million, yeah. you go from the 9.3 to, to thir- over 13% in state taxes now on prop, was it 60? I'm forgetting off the top of my head. But there's so many other things besides those three points that, that people need to know about um, when they go into retirement. I mean, planning for the surviving spouse, when Social Security check goes away, when when person dies, maybe there's a pension that goes away. Rebalancing, tax-efficient investing, um, you know, protecting against longevity. I mean, one of you could live till you're 110 years old. Protecting or protecting your spouse. Mm-hmm. Here's the tragedy. My dad knew he was going to outlive my mom because my mom was chubby. And my dad was a skinny army dude. My dad died 25 years ago. Yep. So she outlived him by a lot. So all of the life insurance was on her, not on him. So tragic, right? Yeah, it is. And so, I mean, there's, there's been a, an annual decrease in the standard of living for mom because she probably got the pension, right? Yeah. And probably not much of an inflation, if any at all, in the pension. Usually it's only kind of the PERS and the teachers' pensions that have a, an inflation adjustment. Yeah. A lot of the government pensions don't. This is a military pension, so she's been taken care of. Yeah. And she's got thrift or the um, TRICARE, right, for the yeah. for the health insurance. So it's worked out okay. Yeah, not so. too bad. With that said, anything else we need to know about these three points? Um, well, yeah, I mean, really there's knowing... There's a lot more points than three. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's ten that you need to download on the website, and so we've got a event coming up that covers those 10. Um, but you can go to that website. It's newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. So we got an event coming up. We do. What's that all about? Is it June 19th, Thursday, right? 6.30 p.m. Way to date this hour. Best of gone. Flush down the toilet. We <laughs> actually we have a June 19th event every year. <laughs> so now we can do a best of. Now so there goes your vacation. No. I don't do a lot of vacations. I do a lot of three-day weekends. That's kind of nice. Two-and-a-half-day weekends. Yeah. And you like camping, which is odd. Why? I don't know. I just I don't, I don't think people would think of Rob as wanting to go camping. I like getting smoky. I don't know what it's all about. and I like campfires. and uh, I like areas in the United States that have absolutely no cell service. It's good to unplug. So, You're getting a lot better at that, too. I don't know what that means. At unplugging? Yeah. That I'm getting better at it. You're making it. You're attacking me. Well, no, no. I mean, I think we both are. I mean, if we looked at it, how much we used to talk and do work, you know, after kids go to bed and never being unplugged. You know what I did that was fantastic was I took the computer out of my house like ten years ago. So I don't have an ability to check emails except for my phone, and I, that's very passive. I think it's aggressive to look at to sit on a computer and work. So change my change my life for the better. It's good. Back when I was dating the Playboy model, I was like, somehow i got to get rid of this computer. So, <laughs> there's better things in life. Then oh how'd that work for you? It worked so well. <laughs> Oog. Oog de Sue. Yeah. That's all i got to say about that. That's a French name of a guy who's on the board of directors for Louis Vuitton Moy Hennessy. Oog. That's all i got. You can find Chad Burton at NewFocusFinancial.com. He's got that 10 pillars download. It's worth the download. It's free. You can check it out at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.